I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr Binks. You know how I'm always saying that chocolate isn't very good for doggies at all, which is a shame because it's really delicious for humans. And we're off to meet one of the only chocolatiers in this country, Paul Young, who's also an avid dog lover. Paul, it's so amazing to be in your chocolate shop in Camden Passage. I know, thanks for coming. Been here 16 years. 16 years. Can you believe it? No, well, I think it's, I think it's extraordinary it uh, is what you've me, achieved. Well, me sitting here looking out, because the three shops I can see looking out have changed in those 16 years. So it's like, if there was a time lapse, it would be really interesting to see the history of the passage. And we've actually been here so long now that uh, we've got the most amazing regular customers. It's great. Well, it's a super area. You know, it's yeah. the heart of Islington. It is. So I used to live in Islington in 1987 to, I don't know, to about 96, actually, wow. off the Liverpool Road. Yeah. yeah. And nice. um, loved it. I used to come down Camden Passage, but it was all vintage clothes and proper antiques yeah. then, really. Well, the passage, I remember when we first moved in, and, or just before I was looking for a shop, it was all antique shops either open or closed, some were closed but had all the antiques in and we used kind of storage. I remember coming down and it was a kind of foggy autumny evening with a bit of mist and all of the lamp posters still look really Dickensian yeah. and it was very atmospheric but it was very quiet then. People had stopped buying antiques from shops and they were buying online. Oh. But there was this shop that we sat in now and it was a chandelier shop and it was uh, all for rent so the basement, the ground floor and above. And we ended up renting the whole thing, which was absolutely brilliant. And um, I remember talking to the locals and they said the passage was built on the underground canal, which runs under the passage, which make, makes everything damp. Um, but they used to go and steal and rob from the rich, down the, from the canal and then down the Thames, and bring all of the riches, all these antiques back and sell them on the passage. And that's how the antiques were brought here. I never knew that. Whether it's true or not, I don't care because I love the story. It's, it's a great <laughs> story and it's really Dickensian. You can imagine it happening in sort of, you know, dark London yeah. and... Well, in autumn and winter, you get that feeling here because a lot of the, the shops are listed. Mm. So we still have the original fronts uh, and even the framers opposite, they've built, they've put in a traditional gold sign which could be from a hundred years ago. Everything still has the dimensions and feel of old London. There's even a Hovis sign on the wall painted on on the corner here. Yeah, I don't think I've that will that. ever go. People love nostalgia, don't they? Well, they do. They do. And I think it's very important, particularly in this age when we're moving very fast, you know, out of the pandemic, everyone's reality has mm. shifted. It has. And, you know, with social media and everything, you know, I don't know, somehow it takes the reality out of reality now. It does. Well, that's the thing with, with food, it's tangible. It's the one, it's, so art you can look at on your screen. You, and you can appreciate it with food. You can look at it, but you can't do what it's meant to be for, no, which exactly. is taste it. Exactly. You can't eat it. So there's always, I love looking at food on Instagram. But there's a there's a double-edged sword here, isn't there? <laughs> you look at it, you go, oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> then you look at it, you go, oh, it's in America. I can't, I can't have that. But it inspire it inspires me. But I can't then reference the flavour. 
unless no. you're very very like we're doing now we're going to describe things very carefully so everyone knows we've described the Dickensian Camden passage you know but with food you have to taste it which which leads me on to your first tasting because we are going to I'm going to well, feed yes, well, let's you just explain now you you are one of the UK's cool look at this um so I'm about to have this amazing um smooth is this dark chocolate, Paul? This is the chocolate that started my business. Right, okay. So I developed this chocolate <laughs> now, about 19 years ago. Wow. It's a sea salted caramel when nobody had ever had sea salted caramel. And I entered it into the Academy of Chocolate Awards mm. in 2005. And it won a gold award as best sea salted caramel. At that point, no one had ever had sea salted caramel. And so that started the business. Well, you've won loads of awards as well. Loads. And you are basically one of the world's few dedicated artisan chocolate you, you launched artisan chocolate we did i remember when we f first opened or before we opened the reason i got into chocolate was i couldn't buy the chocolates i wanted to eat so i am no chocolate snob i will still sit down with my mum and stepdad at christmas and eat a ten of quality street yep. and enjoy it because of the nostalgia it is what it is and it, it's part of our little ritual that we have every time I go home. So I leaked that. But then when it came to interesting fresh chocolates, and as a pastry chef, I was trained and cooked seasonally and freshly. I didn't make a lemon tart today for tomorrow. It was made today. And I used apples and pears in autumn and so on. And I thought, where are the chocolates that can represent that? There was one company, Artisan de Chocolat, which is still going, who had some really exciting chocolates like tobacco. And I remember Gordon Ramsay buying them for his restaurants. And that was the one place you could go. And, but I still thought, well, why are they all the same shape? Similar texture. And where, I wanted real seasonality. So what I did was, while I was doing my other jobs as pastry chef, and I was teaching and doing some telly stuff, I thought, I'm going to practice at home. And I'm going to make chocolates with fresh ingredients that are seasonal. And that's what I did. And I entered them into the Academy of Chocolate Awards, encouraged by a friend of mine who ended up doing my PR for 50, 15 years. Um, because she said, well, they're fresh, they're unpreserved, so no glucose syrup or any hydrogenated fats or anything. They've got a short shelf life, which means you make them and you eat them. Then you come back for more, rather than buying them now and keeping them for six months. And that's how the business started. And that's the ethos that started. And I think when people tasted fresh, strawberry, fresh raspberry, or anything else, fresh herbs and spices in the chocolates. It took a bit of time, but customers realized this is what that flavor tastes like. It's not a synthesized strawberry, it's fresh strawberry. And there's a big difference. Yeah, and I think it's going to all of the, you know, source locally and all of the ethics we've got now, you know, because of climate change, mm. so that you won't eat a strawberry in December, because <laughs> yeah. that's being flown across the world, you know, that type of mentality and, exactly. um, and, and keeping out the additives. Because oh, there's a myth around chocolate, isn't it? Oh, we mustn't have chocolate. Oh, you know, it's like the bad guy. Yeah, there is that kind of we have customers someone's got, oh, I shouldn't, or they're not for me. Like I'm selling some illicit drug or something like, <laughs> that you can, that's some op secret opium. It reminds then, you know. me, actually. I know what this place reminds me of now. How could I forget? <laughs> uh, you know, the Johnny Depp Cho film. Chocolat, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a massive inspiration for me. Because was it? Vianne in Chocolat, her thing was trying to figure out what you liked to eat. Because it is exactly chocolate? like that in here, because yeah. that was um, the wonderful Juliette well, Binoche, wasn't it? Well, it was, and the one thing is, you come in and you have a conversation. 
Well, she made the whole village better from her chocolate brew, from the Mayan Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Heritage. If, you, if you put chocolate in the wrong category of junk food, then there's always going to be this negativity around it. I, can, I would never say it's healthy or a superfood, as in a milk chocolate bar, white chocolate bar. It's held together with natural fat of the cocoa butter. Then you've got the cocoa solids, which make the brown part, the strength. But when you don't add in hydrogenated fats, highly refined sugars, and highly refined industrial sugar syrups, actually, what you're eating is something quite pure. And you don't eat as many because they're very intoxicating and strong in flavour, mm. which means you have one and the flavour's in your mouth for half an hour, mm. where is if you had a quality street, like I do at Christmas, <laughs> yes. you can eat five or six in a minute. Well, like, do you oh, think no, that's no, got oh, something no. to do with the fact there's additives in there? So that, of course, yeah, sugar, right. sugar and fat. Sugar, sugar. Tons of sugar and fat, whereas we don't add tons of sugar and we don't add any fat unless there's pure butter in a caramel or in the recipe. Gosh. We don't add it in as a bulking agent or a stabiliser. So if it's a raspberry truffle, there's a lot of raspberry and chocolate and sometimes some cream or not. You're um, so clever though, because these are so intricate. I mean, do you have, ever have tantrums that the mold hasn't worked or, or do you make, but there's so much, I mean, I love these little boxes as well. I mean, what perfect gifts. It's about, with chocolate, every single chocolate you and you or I or anyone who walks through the shop buy is an emotional purchase. And I will argue that till the day I die. It's an emotional purchase because you're buying it for someone to make them feel better, usually, or feel good, to smile, or for yourself too, because you love chocolate, or you've, you're walking past and you've never been into a chocolate shop before, where the chocolates are made on site. And it's going to do, hopefully, one thing, change how you feel, introduce you to something new, and before you've even tasted it, you've emotionally thought about, how do I want to feel? Do I want something sugary and sweet? Do I want something intense and robust? Do I want something like a brownie or a hot chocolate or a truffle or a caramel? So all these decisions, split second decisions, are emotional <laughs> split decisions. Second. Do you ever get people in here for That's, about two yes. hours? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, thinking, well, gosh, you know, um, I did think I wanted a white chocolate, but gosh, you're tempting me so much with yeah, the milk. You do, but um, we allow people to stay in. It it is like chocolat, where Vianne asks you this, this, you know, asks questions or suggests to you. It is a provocative, sexy thing, ch chocolate. Even confectionery chocolate is, look at the flake advert when it was allowed to be on TV. <laughs> yes, the always the woman in a bath, water spilling over the edge, she ruined her floor. But it was always very sexual and provocative because that chocolate makes us feel really good. And it's the chemicals, it's not just how they look and how they smell and taste, but it's the chemicals that really trigger why we fall in love with it. Yes, but we're not thinking about the sugar high here, are we? No, no. no. And that we're talking about the organic um, alkaloids, aren't they? The alkaloids, the natural yes. substances and compounds within chocolate. So we're talking about kind of dark chocolate predominantly. When you dilute chocolate with milk and other things, there's less and less and less of the good stuff. Yeah. But if you're talking like 62% cocoa solids and above, you're going to get more theobromine, yes. which is white chocolate, or theobroma cacao. This is the compound which hits your brain, releases dopamine, and makes you feel amazing. So it's the I've, love I'm, I'm having a bit of a hit now, yeah. aren't I? Must be, because that, that salted caramel thing was delicious, absolutely amazing, and you're right, the flavours. But you see, it's the theobromine thing that interests me, because 
you're a mad, passionate dog lover. Oh, yes, I am. I exactly. have, I have I We had to segue. <laughs> we do, but <laughs> I am, yeah. And, and the, but the interesting thing is, you know, your metier is kind of a bit at odds, really. Mm. You know, you've got to, I, I imagine, be quite careful at home if you brought some of your chocolates back home and you left them on the yeah. kitchen side and the good thing is tell us about your dog because if they oh. were on the kitchen side he wouldn't be able <laughs> to snaffle them would he like a lurcher or something and that's because he is a mini daxi it is tiny he's a very small mini daxi as well and luckily i do do a lot of work at home and filming product development he can't reach any of it and if i drop it it's cleaned up immediately because i had a basset hound a few years ago oh and she was called Velcro because she was very clingy. But she broke into, this was, oh, it must have been now probably 15 years ago. She broke into where the chocolate was stored and ate quite a few mouthfuls of dark chocolate. And she, this is for everyone listening. Keep dark chocolate away, any chocolate away, because she so ended up a on, a, on a drip. Mm. She, it, it gets into the central nervous system. It, sh it can shut down their organs. It, they can fit. They're, you name it, vomiting, everything. It's just not worth having it anywhere near. I had a very sad, sad story from a customer who got a puppy. This happened about five years ago and bought a box of chocolates from us from this store, oh. took them home. I mean, you know what I'm going to oh, say. No. But this is why, this is not meant to be a sad, to make everyone sad. It's just to reiterate yeah. the importance. So these are small chocolates. They're, they're about the size of a, a large olive. But... A puppy eating a few of those chocolates is going to get seriously ill, but unfortunately the puppy passed away. And the thing is, with your chocolate, you know, there is a lot of the theobromine in. I mean, if, if they ate, uh, you know, I won't name any brands, but uh, another type of normal bar, yeah. chocolate bar from your newsagent, yep. there's very little theobromine. I mean, possibly mm. in some of the more posh and in inverted commas brands yep. that are the dark 70%. But you've got some chocolate that go 91%. We have, and that would be detrimental. I mean, I do hear people say, oh, I give my dog a, I'm going to say Kit Kat, I'll say it once. And, and it's fine. Big dog, you know, I'm like, okay, you shouldn't really. Put, but the thing with that is your dog can't say to you, mummy, I've got tummy ache. No. And, but and you can look and think your dog feels well. It probably doesn't. It is poisonous to dogs. And funnily enough, it I mean, is sugar, poisonous to uh, us as well. It, right. I, you see, I didn't know this, but, you know. In uh, huge amounts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I should just say, you know, any type of chocolate bar really is not a species appropriate thing to be giving your dog. Definitely um, not. I mean, there is, you can get doggy chop drops, though. You can. I mean, are they something you might segue into to... This, oh, this is really funny you said it because I bought some moulds and cutters and things and I thought, Do you know what? I should really open a dog chocolate business. It's made with carob, yes. which is... An alternative if you can't have chocolate. So humans are very sensitive to theobromine. And in, when I say large amounts, for some people it can be only 100 grams, can give you intensely bad headaches and migraines, make you shake, and uh, make you feel nauseous and unwell. So we, to we tolerate it. But if you think about everything in nature, if something's really bitter, animals spit it out. It's an alert. This doesn't taste good. I'm not going to eat it. We've developed it and manufactured it and sweetened it to a point where we can eat it and we can tolerate it but carob is from the carob tree and it's a seed and it is chocolatey i remember my mum buying carob when we were kids yes it was oh, seen I've to be the, health, the healthy yeah. choice and it is okay and it's and it's also good for vegetarians and vegans i think as yeah, well, I mean, well dark, dark chocolate if it's pure dark chocolate should be vegan and vegetarian 
But warning everyone, this happened to me just two weeks ago. I occasionally buy chocolate from supermarkets. I want to see what everybody's doing. And I will, if anything's, anything is new or everything I haven't had for a long time, I will buy it to see, has it changed? Is it still the same quality? And a big brand dark chocolate bar, the last ingredient on it was milk powder. Now for me, and for everyone out there, this is what I would teach you. If it says dark chocolate, it shouldn't contain any dairy. The reason it's called milk white and dark is a reason. However, some of the big multinational brands put a little bit of milk in because as we see with tea and coffee, they both contain tannins yeah. and without milk they taste quite bitter. When you put milk into something with tannins, it makes it smooth and less bitter. So they're putting this little bit of milk in to make the dark chocolate a bit more smooth. Mm. However, if you are vegan or dairy intolerant, yes. lactose intolerant, you may not even know it's there. So turn the bar over when it says dark chocolate. Always look at the ingredients. Always, you know, always, 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 always. But I'm still fascinated by these carrot doggy choc drops. Yeah. I feel something big coming on for Christmas. <laughs> well, I, I think, <laughs> you know, we love, our, we love our pets. We love our dogs. The only thing would be you'd have to put it in a different bag. So if yeah. the owner, because I could see everyone buying them when they came in, for, if they have a dog, yeah. it would be a super Christmas present for a friend with a dog. But if the bag's got muddled up or something you have the, to, very you know, clear you've packaging got to be yeah clear, very packaging. clear packaging and made not in the same site as here because you can't risk anything getting in that mm. would you know but we give our doggies treats when they're good yeah when they're good everyone you yes. know don't you reward the treat. good behavior yeah don't reward when they're not you're not meant to because they just <laughs> Wrap you around there. May I just ask about Velcro going back? Oh, so I love her, yeah. Basset Hounds. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, did she, she pulled through. She was quite young at the time, so she pulled through, and they are the, the funniest. They are funny dogs, Basset Hounds. I mean, they're big. Oh, I, I think 25 a lot of, kilos on tiny little legs. Yes, but they're, they're stocky legs, aren't they? they and are. um, Floppy ears. They are high maintenance. You've got to clean their ears a lot, clean their mouths a lot, make sure that their backs are looked after, so you have to carry them. Up and down stairs. Right. Um, the, 25 kilos. <laughs> I mean, what, what, that's why I think I've got the compromise because Billy Billington is like, like, they are like mini basset hounds, yeah. really. Yes. And funnier, even funnier. Well, they're both scent hounds, you know, they've got they an are. awful lot in common. They do. Um, oh, they know. get a sniff. They get a sniff in the park. You are done in. That's it. They, they can smell a squirrel at the other side of the park. They're going for it. <laughs> oh, I, oh, no, it was lovely because you, 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 you got him really, you know, because at the moment, the mini Daxi, mm. and when it's peaking at, at so some, you know, in London, you see them everywhere. Yeah. And you see a lot of them that are merle coloured, which arguably isn't mm. great. No. Um, and you see teacup mini Daxis, yeah. and you just think crumbs. And then you see mini Daxis with a really round head and yeah. um, you think gosh is that really all Daxi and it's it, yeah there's a it's all changed a bit hasn't it because people it are now buying dogs on the internet can you believe it <laughs> it's insane when I um, got Billy it was nine years ago and I knew no one with a miniature Dachshund or a Dachshund and, or, and I'd never I didn't see them no you didn't you very didn't often actually. but I did so much homework it took me six maybe eight months this is this is advice I would give anyone it's not a dog or any pet, but we're talking about dogs. It's not an impulse purchase. This is like deciding to have children. I don't have kids, so I'm speculating. <laughs> Shall we? When is right? What does it entail? What does it mean to our lives and the doggy's life? You know, you've got to make the decision. And I did a lot of research. I wanted to make sure that Billy came from 
a very clean line. I didn't specifically go out to look for um, a pure pedigree. That's not me. I knew I just wanted a, a dog that I could enjoy and have in London, manageable, uh, especially for a flat, because London flats are not very big. No. Um, and that I could easily transport to my family on the train, on the buses, on the tube. And, and you wanted, I could tell, a big dog in a small body. Yeah, and they yeah. are. Yeah, oh they are. Yes. But do your homework. So I checked the breeding line. Yeah. I checked for, um, they've got something called PRA, or P-R-A, which is where their eyesight can be Primary very... Primary retinal atrophy. That's it. And their backs, you know, that's a real worry. Because right. I, um, I wrote yeah. an article actually about this, that something staggering, like one in four mini Daxes get IVDD. Yes, they do. In disc disease. Discs, yeah, they do. So this is something to be really important. From the day you bring your little Daxi home, is that you lift them up under the chest, not under the under the legs. They have lovely chests. Under they do very deep mm. under the chest and under the and the back legs. So you're supporting. They're very long. They're longer than if you like look at other dogs and the legs are close. They're very long. From day one, you do not let them go up and down stairs. Billy now is small, but he is longer than the width of going up a stair. So we constantly have to put a barrier so he can't come up the stairs. If we go upstairs, we carry him up. He now knows not to come down on his own. He fell down the stairs once. Oh, no. From about halfway up. It only takes once. He was fine. But he did hurt his back about five years ago. No idea how. Literally like us, if we twist and we can do our disc yeah. at the bottom of our head, that's what happened. And he ended up in a crate, confined to a crate for six weeks, not oh. coming out. That must have been hard work. I mean, that's the worst thing any owner wants to hear. It you is. know, you're being prescribed crate rest. But um, what was really, I found this phenomenal. And I think everyone who's got a dog knows this. We don't give our animals the credit they deserve sometimes. They know when we are ill and poorly before we do. I, I, Billy does. I first think so thing. too. Look, but gosh. he knew, he walked. I didn't have a crate and the vet said, I've got an old crate. It was an old airline crate. The, the vet put him in, I took him home. And I had to take him, I lifted him outside to go up the toilet and he walked straight back in and he, and he stayed there. He knew that he had to rest. It wasn't, he didn't fight to come out, but the, from that day on, his back is priority. And you, you, can't, you can't put any price on, you do not want your dog to go through, A, an operation that is starting at four and a half thousand pounds because you haven't taken and care of And he might go wrong. <laughs> no. So look at, carry him or her, do not... Um, encourage them to jump up and down a furniture. I need to introduce you to something actually that I think would be really useful. So leave this with me. I might pop down. It's called the Fotizo Vet Care. Actually, I'm not. This isn't. I don't know it. Yeah, it's red light therapy, and it would really help his back. Yeah. So yeah. So let me. I'll message so now you he's, on that. I just take. We take care. We make sure that because he's nine. Mm, uh, we make exactly. sure that, that he's uh, well looked after, and he gets. I mean, he loves being carried. They, they are very cheeky dogs. Once you start carrying them. They are like, carry me, Daddy. Daddy, carry me. I'm not walking. I mean, if it rains, then I don't know a single 
protection that will go out in the rain. <laughs> they look and go, no, because their chest is about an inch off the floor and it gets wet. I know, I know. But, you know, it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? You know, it because um, some any... dogs that are carried, they get quite the Napoleon complex, really. <laughs> and then they start barking at everybody that's they lower because they're like, oh, I'm higher than yeah. you. I, you know, and they're looking down, down yeah. their nose at people a bit. No, he sounds well, lovely. The thing with Jacks is they, they ask, like you said, sniffer dogs. Yes. They like being carried, but they miss the sniff. Yeah. So when I say to Billy, do you, want, do you want to walk now? He's down. So he misses it. They need to sniff and find their way. Um, but the most joyous dog to have, so funny. They're burrowers. If you can't find your Daxi, they are somewhere in the house burrowed into or underneath something. Because that's what they used to do. Because they were bred, you know, to originally burrow. to burrow, to go down a badger hole. Big, big paws on little dog. Yeah. But they, it must be, I mean, this is where you see it's in their DNA. Yes. Like, as soon as you get your little Daxi, it wants to burrow. Billy hasn't dug anywhere, but he is under quilts and blankets and cushions and you name it. You've got to be careful, you? you don't sit on him or something. But <laughs> yeah, or you do. You have to be really careful. <laughs> Gosh. No, lovely. So I get now. So, but, so Velcro, was Velcro yeah. inspired by a family dog? When I was about seven or eight, I got a soft toy. For Christmas, which was a life-size basset hound. Oh wow! I would have loved that. And I, for some reason, I loved basset hounds. Whether it came from some, there was a cartoon. Wasn't Fred there? Bassett. That's it. So maybe it was that, but I, I can't connect it clearly. Um, and I remember my grandma had a dog called Lucky, and when I was very young, and he passed away, obviously. And then when I was a bit older, my mum rescued a dog called Butch, and he was a cross between a collie and an Alsatian. And he needed a lot of love. He'd been treated quite badly. Um, and he was, he was joyous. He was happy to see everybody all the time. Then there was a big, long gap of no dog for years. Um, and I just constantly missed having a dog. But I, working the hours I was working in restaurants as a chef at the time meant that wasn't happening. It was only when I left the restaurant life and got a job as a development chef, developing products, that I was like, ooh, I'm working like eight till four. There's room here for maybe a dog. And that's when the dogs came back. Oh. And then Velcro passed away and then I got Billy. Um, I can't do what my vet does. I've got the most amazing vet. But my vet, Dale, says... Oh, I know Dale on Amwell Street. Amwell Street. Do you know Dale? Oh, he's yeah. great. He's, he's looked after all my dogs I've had in London. And he always makes sure... I don't have to say this without it coming out right. No, I know. He always so sure bring in the younger dog. Before the older one passes away. And I... Still haven't got my head around that concept. They do really say it really works. Now, really? with Molly, right. my first bull terrier, I was really reluctant to bring in a younger dog. And anyway, it's a really long story, but it got to the point where I thought, do you know what? I think I need to add something because I don't yeah. want her to die. And that's when I brought in my little English toy Terry. Oh, you met Mr. Oh, Binks. Mr. Binks is we so the... gorgeous. We had lots of cuddles. <laughs> yeah, we were at Joe's, weren't yeah. we, doing our house party yeah. for BBC Radio London. And, um, yeah, I know. Oh, he oh, liked he's, you. He's so gorgeous. Yes. We're having a good old little chat. He's 10 now, but I brought him in oh as God. the young dog to kind of give Molly some extra stuff mm. to do. So she could boss him a little bit, yeah. which, you know, and it was extra stimulation. Bit of rivalry. It does people good. A bit of rivalry. How bit did of they get on? 
fine because the balance was right. Look, Mr. Binks, humble, you know. <laughs> I mean, not about to take over anywhere, you know. No, well, not. now he's more, he's got a bit bolder, actually. But then he was very, he was a bit neglected, might be the wrong word to say, but he wasn't in the best shape, yeah, okay. you know. And, and Molly became maternal with him Aww. and showed him the ropes. And when he was nervous in a situation, I remember once we were at Crufts and we were by the Bull Terrier ring and Mr. Binks, because I didn't want to carry him too much, they needed to build his confidence, so he had mm. to walk on the ground. And he was surrounded by all these Bull Terriers, like, bouncing around and everything. And um, do you know what Molly did? She stood over him and just suddenly, wow. just basically, so he was underneath Molly and Molly was like a bridge and kept him feeling protected. Yeah, just did that all by herself. So clever. Yeah, that was that was quite a funny moment actually, because she could tell he was feeling yeah. a little bit uh, nervous mm. with these uh, big boisterous dogs around. So it's interesting. So I wouldn't rule it out, Paul. I haven't. I haven't kind of. But I would. What I planned to do. This was uh, about three or four years ago. Was to bring a relation of Billy's in. Yes. Because Billy's mum was pregnant again. Oh wow. And I thought this is a great time for Billy to have a brother or sister. But so sadly, she passed away while she was pregnant. Oh, no. With undiagnosed diabetes. Oh, no. So we didn't, so didn't, wasn't able to get him his little brother or sister at that point. Because sometimes but. they say a complementary breed, so that it's mm. not too much like sibling rivalry. Right. You know, because that can I be a big thing. I thought of that at all. Yeah, so that's why, you know, Mr. Binks, you know, I mean, completely different <laughs> to a bull terrier. Yeah. But there is sort of no rivalry going on. But you bring no. in another bull terrier, then all sorts of things oh, can go wrong. that makes sense. Yes. So that's why in the country they tend to have a Labrador with a Jack Russell. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Really, see, um, I'm gonna look at that now. I had never thought about a complimentary breed, yeah. So, maybe something like a pug, he wouldn't want anything too big in case they trod on him and yeah. you yeah. know hurt his back, yeah. That would, yeah, be that's the, but think Pomeranian, oh, yeah. Oh, you got me thinking now. <laughs> While I'm thinking, you can think by having another chocolate, oh, yes, definitely so needs some next energy. One, this is called Stroop Waffle, which, if any of you Ooh. have a coffee. In any of mm. the, you know, the big brands. Uh, mm. And you get that waf wafer waffle with a caramel through the middle. Yes, this okay. is developed by one of my chocolatiers, Kieran, mm. and I love it. It's made mm. with a blonde chocolate. So the chocolate on the outside is called blonde chocolate, which is a caramelized white chocolate. And it's got all the wafery bits on the outside. It's got the caramel inside. It's like, it's like a hug. So you're really taking sort of everyday Generics like a wafer in a exactly. coffee, and then transforming it into chocolate. Well, do you know if you, if we just made flavors? So I would say when we first started, mm, mm, flavors mm. of truffles were the thing. You had a strawberry one, a raspberry one, and so on. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm, a I'm a chef and a pastry chef. So what I did was, like we've got a, a lime tart here. You look at a dessert, mm -hmm. and you say, right, Bakewell tart, for example. Mm -hmm. we, we make a Bakewell tart truffle occasionally. I love uh, Bakewell tart. Oh, I do. Oh. But all ingredients in a Bakewell tart. See, I love almonds. Oh, I do. Everything with almonds. Well, mm. almonds and chocolate, hazelnuts and chocolate. Mm. So all you do is go, right, what do I love? I love apple crumble. How can you make a truffle, an apple crumble into a truffle? Well, you can reduce the apple and make it concentrated. You could add a custard ganache inside with vanilla. You could even roll the truffle in like a crumbly biscuit on the outside. Mm. And there you have your apple crumble. That's so it's clever. just about taking familiar things that you all have heard of, but turning them into a chocolate that you might never have had. So they are maybe unusual in their form, but they are mm. totally familiar. 
Yes. And that's where the nostalgia comes in. It is where the nostalgia, and also art, really. It's almost like being like Picasso. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am... Deconstruction. I got into art college, and the day, the day before I was meant to go, and I was so excited. I remember walking around art college thinking, this is me, I'll do something in art, <laughs> not knowing what. But I remember the day before I was meant to go to art college, I rang catering college and went, can I come to catering college? Because I knew that I could eventually be artistic with cooking, but I would always have a job. Yeah. Because everybody needs to eat. Of course they do. With I, mean, I really, you know, envy you. It's a bit, you know, in a way, not, it's not really the same, but it's like being a plumber or a mechanic. Yeah, it you is. Know, you're never going to be able it's to work. It's a service. It is. It's a service that everybody really, really needs. And you like know. plumbers and mechanics, if you say, right, I'm going to specialise in one area of plumbing. Like, So I ended up specialising in pastry after being a chef. And then chocolate, you pick that speciality bit that you're, you like. And it's now, as a pastry chef and a chocolatier, so artistic which means that artistic bit I lost at art college yes. has been brought in because desserts, cakes and sweet things are inherently artistic because we look at them and mm. go, that is a beautiful looking colourful chocolate. No, it's, it's amazing, but the Picasso thing is because, you know, he stripped everything and then put it all back together in different ways so that it was, yeah. you know, it was deconstructionism. Yeah, it's how you it? view it. But, but the thing is, you know, he also is mad about mini daxies. Really, was he? Picasso, yeah. He that. had um, a, a daxi called Lump. <laughs> what a great name for a dog. <laughs> and Lump passed away. Hang on, I can't remember if Lump passed away before Picasso or oh. the other way around, but it was close. Five days. Five days? Yeah. They've both. Broken hearts. Yeah. yeah. Lump. Lump. Is, oh my gosh, that's the yeah. best name so for that's, a So that's this whole thing. So you're kind of well, him. Now, where did, this is where my midlife moment comes in. I'm trying to think about where I saw this. And it was about dogs being more than dogs i mean i know everyone who's got a pet and a dog thinks like this but when i think when you're artistic or when you um find attachments easy having a dog there and then not having the dog there makes you a completely different person so i'm i, I know when billy's around i feel different yes it's like a support network it's like I can, I can feel more creative with Billy around. Mm, Whether well, it's because I'm sublimely talk, chatting to him away and he calms me. I don't know what it is. Well, they do calm you. I mean, it, it, interestingly, yeah, I was talking about this earlier, actually. You know, it's this, it's this mutual transferal of oxytocin, which, which happens. And because dogs can smell when you're stressed and smell when you're can not they? stressed. Yeah, they can smell cortisol going mad no in your way. body. Yeah, way. That's why people oh think, oh, he understands every word I say. No, he doesn't because they don't do language, but they do know when you're happy or you're sad. They do. Um, yeah. And they read your facial expressions. You've got grumpy face. They know what that means or happy face. The latest, you know, deconstruction in a truffle has occurred. Eureka. So then, he... of course, Billy knows dad's in a really happy mood. Yeah. And so you balance one another. And then when you stroke Billy, if he was feeling a bit, no, oh, could have gone for a bit of a longer walk today or something you know you're transferring your oxytocin to him and vice versa just with the owner so not everybody will get it's, that from billy no it's funny but, because um, there is this unique bond so fascinating dogs are, it's so much more complicated than people yeah. think the bond is i mean with billy there is a there is a bond there yeah but occasionally like the other day he'll i'm sat on the sofa and he's glued against my leg because Stashen's pushed they, and then he'll just put his head up and go let's potter over and sit beside Luke my partner yeah. Luke and have a little cuddle with Luke and then go I'm done now and pop about and I just love this sounds so naive and so silly but I, I get so much joy of thinking that he's thought about 
going for a hug with Luke and thought about coming back. Like, he wanted a bit of, a bit of somebody else for a while. But no, Daddy, you're the one, I'm coming back. Aww, and I remember when, when I was poorly, a few years ago, uh, I was on the sofa and I was off work for a little while. He didn't leave my side. At all. I mean, he had to go for his wee and poo. Yeah, of course. But he yeah. didn't. It was inseparable. But the Midi Daxies have this reputation, actually. They're very loyal. I think, mm. you know, um, hounds in general, you know, they've got this presence about them. I think there is, a, 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 you know, all dogs have it, but they I do. think. Well, I think, bas you know, basset hounds, oh my goodness. Chaos in a, chaos in a dog. Fun, funny in a way, but you could never, you could just never choose where she was going to go next, like who she was going to be loyal to today. You know, How funny and recall. None. None. <laughs> <laughs> Billy's quite good. Billy's actually yeah. very good, but yeah, Bassett Ham wasn't. Um, it's like beagles. I mean, they, I mean, they're they're funny dogs. I'd love to have a beagle, but they are so naughty. I don't know if I. Really? Yeah, I know friends of mine have had beagles, and they had to rig up a camera because they couldn't figure out what on earth was going wrong because. Um, their oh fridge my. would end up with things <laughs> not in it. No see? way. Yeah, but the fridge door was always shut when they got in, so no one knew until it's like, have you seen that cheese? <laughs> you know? So beagles opening the No, they had a Bernese mountain dog, and the beagle managed to engage with the Bernese mountain dog. So the Bernese mountain dog opened the fridge, and the beagle would jump oh. on top of the Bernese mountain dogs. They're quite big, yeah, you know, sturdy stocky. dogs. And the beagle would then nose the fridge totally open and pretty much get inside the fridge and they caught all of this on camera it's honestly true that's so insane. in the end they had to put all these baby locks and everything onto absolutely everything that's insane yeah but, but how it's like to figure film. that out and to get the cooperation and the com camaraderie and like you know it's like the film pets isn't it have you seen that yes. animation film where they're all yeah. having other lives when the owners go out yes that's it oh, i love they're that. out hurrah <laughs> it's oh i know but you feel out for 30 seconds billy thinks i've been out all day it's funny you know I mean? they it's don't like, have a sense of time. It's something my I, dad taught me many years ago, you know, because you go to buy a pint of milk and you come back in and they're as excited to see you if you've been. Yeah, yeah it's so I interesting. Find, I think about it a lot and I worry. So, Billy rarely gets left any time because he goes to, he's a studio dog and my partner's a photographer. So Billy goes to the studio during the day and hangs out at the photography studio and has a great time. Oh, he's quite a, quite a, quite a little man, He's totally he? spoiled. Um, but he, he, he he likes his little trips out, but the time bit I think about a lot because I just tried. I think I'm one of those dog owners that tries to figure him out, which it's, is so important. You know, I'm, you've got to try and figure your dog out because yeah. every dog's an individual and every yeah. breed of dog's a different combination of individual. And yeah. and it's you know that's why we're here, really, Paul. Because yeah. when I met you, yeah. I mean, I loved the chocolate martinis. You <laughs> oh, they were it. strong, weren't they? <laughs> I couldn't drink it because I was driving. Yeah. Thank goodness you told me what was in it. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, it inspires me meeting people that are really into their dogs and, and, and passionate. But it's, it's also so important. A lot of people I know, sometimes I don't know they've got dogs. There's a lot of well-known people that have got dogs who they go back to. I've learned so much about people when <clears throat> they come into the shop and we start talking. And one of the key connections, oh, we see your, we see your dog, Billy. I'm like, where? And he went, no, on your Instagram. Or we've seen him. And they ask about it. And it's a conversation piece. Then they said, oh, I've got a dog. If, if you don't know somebody and you find out they have a dog, you end up having a conversation about 
your dog, Dogs what are they do, what they don't do. Absolutely, this is it, well this is it. I mean, Where you walk. Is, exactly, and it's probably why there's been such a rise in ownership, you know, through the pandemic, you know, some for the good and some for the not so good. Yeah. But always dogs have been this, it's, it's like being in a club, it's a community and, and you know you've got the common ground, whereas otherwise yeah. you don't really, you know, yeah. with anyone. But you know, you also know there's qualities of someone that's true to their dog that you like. You know, they, they're it's a bit true. committed, you know, they walk their dog, they care about a living creature, they're kind and they understand the values that dogs bring you, you know, whereas someone who doesn't like dogs doesn't have any of that. Yeah, one of the other reasons I got Billy was that reason I, I haven't got kids, I'm never going to have kids. No, I, I'm never going to have kids. And I... But I was like, well, but I felt, I felt... I mean, a... I, I wanted a dog more than I wanted... <laughs> oh, I did, yeah. I, honestly, I, I had that window. I get it, yeah, I get it. And because I... you still have this yeah. feeling of No, maternal. I chose a miniature bull terrier yeah, yeah. over... But, but then it, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's like we're conditioned that it has to be children. No offence to anyone who's got children, right? We all have, love lots of children. Yeah. But you still get that, you still get that parental chocolate. feeling. I, still, I, I remember thinking, I can't, I can't just go to work make and sell chocolate and stuff. There needs to be something else and that gap, this is, this is when Velcro had passed away and it was a few years. Mm. And the, that coal was caring for something else, coming home to something else, being, having something else to look after and nurture, because we're humans and we are born to be in a pack or to be in social. social but yeah. it's the caring, it's the hardwired nurturing that we, the word, all, nurturing. we all have, that we want to yeah. care yeah. and look after. And I think a lot of my friends were like, how are you fitting it in? You're so busy. I said, look, if I was in a relationship where I was going to have children, there is never a good time. You adapt your life, you change your life, and actually you then, pr the priorities, the, pr the prioritize, I can't say it, prioritization, of having a pet dramatically changes your life for the better. You find that you make time that you thought you didn't have, which is time you need to be mindful, calm, walking your dog, getting out. In the out. moment. And also, I wasn't spending much time outside, and I'm an outside person, but I was living in central London at the time, and we'd opened our Soho shop, which we now don't have, um, but I was working a lot, and I was walking to work and back, and that was it. And mm. through winter, walk to work, dark, yeah. come yeah. home, dark. Then I decided to ha get Billy. And that meant a daytime walk, in the daylight, outside. And it changed It changes your life for the better. It's not just the hugging and the cuddling and no. all the cutie stuff. No, 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 it's, it's not. I always say only a dog's like a pie <clears throat> chart. You know, they need exercise, they need affection, but they also need boundaries. Totally. And, and that's also good to you know, to see how that works mm. and training and building teamwork and that's yeah. all about the bond. But it's good to have a commitment in life, you know, and it's good to have a responsibility beyond... Yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I was fine but looking after myself, but I just had this gap. Yes. And Billy, Billy filled the gap, but and I, in, not in a superficial way. It wasn't a purchase, like... Sometimes I can't get my words clear about it because it is, it is like... Having a child, it's like you're giving a life, you're nurturing, you're caring, but it transformed my life. So anyone out there who's working, who works a lot, who has a business, who thinks they can't have a dog, or and that you would love one or any pet, you very quickly adapt your life. And in those 24 hours, there is time because you make the time. And what you get back from your dog 
is infinitely more joyous than you can ever, ever imagine. And you can't imagine your life before not having your dog. Exactly, exactly. Well, I couldn't agree more, really, Paul. And I think, you know, um, that's what people do need to know, though. It's a commitment. Huge. Huge <laughs> commitment. Um, I always say dogs aren't a convenience. They're no, a commitment. They are. And you know, I'm very lucky that when we go away, we have a fantastic uh, group of people that look after Billy and look after him well. You know, you have to make sure that whoever's looking after your dog knows he can't do the stairs, all the rest of it. Fully. So important. I mean, that's, and that's quite hard to find, I think, actually. Very hard. We've, we've searched. We had a, I had a great lady called Jo who looked after Billy for about six years and then her family grew. And now we've got somebody else. When we're, when we're away, we're at the minute lucky enough that we can juggle looking after him nearly all the time ourselves. But search for somebody fabulous. And if you don't like the person, don't. Don't have look it. after your dog. Just it's got no. to be. A, this person has to look after your dog the way you do, and love them in the same way for the time they're together. And luckily, whoever looks after Billy falls in love with him because he's a good boy. You know, thanks to his upbringing. Well, it is. You see, you can always tell. Actually, you try you, hard. Yeah, yeah. It is a bit. I think a bit like children, really. Constant training. Um, constant training through their life you know it's funny how particularly when he's nine you know it's to keep him on the ball so to practice right. all of his turns invent some other games you know yeah. winter coming out i bet you do hiding things under plant pots and oh you my need goodness. to sniff them out he loves the game of hide and seek on it well he hides what's really cute he hides his own chewy sticks so the little like chews he has and then he'll forget and then the joy of him finding his own little chew that he's hidden away under a pillow, under a cushion. He loves it. But, you, but hide treats around the house. Like, especially if we need to go to the shops for an hour, hide, we hide a few treats around the house. Because he will, they're sniffer dogs. Yeah. They need to sniff around your house. And um, he, he finds them all within, I'm sure it's within 30 seconds of us leaving the house. <laughs> but he still I know, loves but it. it distracts him from the fact you've left. Yeah. And then he'll be like, oh, well, I know they're going to come back because he's used to it. Yeah. So, no, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to meet Billy. I know. Um, oh, I know. So I do. I love Daxies. So if, we, if we weren't a chocolate shop, we'd have had our dogs here. But yes. we've been very responsible. We couldn't bring yes. them. Yes, no. And I, I, was, I was so excited to come here and visit and just see all this splendid you know, array of chockies here in front of me. It's just, it's wonderful. It really is. Look, Tarte au citron vert. Oh, well, that's what you've got next. How oh, oh, right. So, yeah, Gosh, so this one. As well. So this is called France because we did yeah. we did holiday destinations oh, that's for, the good idea. for the summer collection. Right. So this one is my love of lemon tart, which turned into lime tart. Mm, mm, and it is, you mm. said earlier about taking, oh. taking the ingredients. Crumbs, this, it's like meringue. This is lemon, I mean, it's lime ganache. Oh. And on the outside is the pastry from the tart case. And then we've, we've colored some white chocolate with natural green. Mm. And it is the tart, but in a spherical, crumbly I mean, truffle. I mean, it's exceptional, isn't it? I mean, this is really... But no, no lemon or lime flavoring. Mm -mm. Like, this is what you, people don't realize <laughs> without being patronizing, is that we're so used to tasting synthesized flavors of lemon, banana, lime, mm. orange, that when you then have something that is really from the orange, the lime, the lemon, the banana. It's a completely different flavour. Mm. Quite often. Quite often. It just tastes like the real thing. I mean, that does actually... It is, but all we've done is brought it into a tr small little chocolate ball. Yeah. So that real zest of a proper tarte citron, you know, a very is, French classic. Well, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> but to describe it to everyone, we're saying about everything being emotional. 
if someone comes in the door, we don't know what's going on in their life. Say they're not looking very happy. Our job is then to, you know, I would look and say, maybe they need cheering up. And I'd say, some, I'd offer some of the vibrant flavours, some of the happier flavours. Because you don't know what's going on in their life. No, no. And just offer a tasting or say, what you, if they don't know what they want. But there is that nostalgia. You, you know, so I love Toto Citron and I lived in Paris yeah. for two years. Oh, lovely. Um, so totally, that is nostalgia for me, that taste. Yeah. Well, my favourite season for chocolate is coming up, which is autumn. So we're now looking at our autumn collection because really September's only a, a few days away. It is, it is. And um, getting into September, it can it's be... It's depressing, isn't it? I mean, well, we've had a good summer, so it's okay. The good so days go so fast, this is the thing for me. But I, I love autumn as a season for food because we have a lot of crunchy, smoky, caramelly, but such comfort food. But I struggle with the dark. Yeah. I... Grew up in the northeast of England. I'm ginger. Not great for the sun. Love the heat. Love the hot nights. Love the humidity. Could live somewhere really hot. But when winter comes, I'm, I'm, I'm cold all the time. My fingers are cold Gosh, all the time. They're cold, aren't my they? pastry chef hands. The dark, it's the darkness that I struggle with. Mm, yes, oh gosh, I mean... I it's just dark for too long. Why is it so dark for so long? And every year it happens, and every year I think it's new. But what we try to do is make this, the collection of chocolates, be seasonal autumnal, but bright. Not gloomy, not dark. We kind no. of, so when people walk in and pick something, they feel part of the season, and we stretch the seasons out, so... So what would you use? Pumpkin, sort of that, yeah. Pumpkin, brambles, apples, caramel, okay. caramelised apples, pears. Blackberries. Blackberries, black currants, all those, a little bit of warming chilli or smoky flavours. Um, but we stretch the season, so at the minute, if you look at retail, Christmas will begin in October, won't it, really? No, oh, yeah. Well, what we do is we, we have autumn from when autumn officially starts, when the clock, you know, with the clocks, when yes. it, or when British summertime What's finishes. What's that, the end of October, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So we pull, we pull all of that full autumn flavour into the collection, and then we don't start Christmas till right at the end of November, so that everybody gets these full seasons, plus then the festivities within them. Because for us, our Christmas collection is December, but then we've got... The winter season for us is January, February, March, and then spring for Easter, April, May, and so on. Easter must be fun in here. For, well, Crumbs, how many bunnies do you have hopping oh my around? <laughs> goodness. I'd like to say it's fun. It's a love-hate relationship because with Easter, you have to make eggs yes. and bunnies, and you can't be too abstract with it. Or deconstructive. Yeah, you can't. But it's more that the labour to make them is so long. We have to start making. Just to fulfil Easter week, that Easter busy two weeks of Easter, we start making Easter products between Christmas and New Year, on top of the Valentine's products. Of course. And then Mother's Day. So it's a very busy season of it's making. Quite, it's, it's good, isn't it, the year, really? There's lots of opportunity, really, to celebrate. It is. It and is gift chocolate it is, and father's day in june so yes. that pulls another one in then we have a gap a like right now we're sat in august it's a quiet gap for chocolate every chocolate business but what we're doing behind the scenes is getting christmas ready gosh can you believe oh, well <laughs> look I mean, something to look forward to We've it got really to well, look how bright christmas is i mean for me i love christmas bright and colorful and the chocolates this year are going to be super bright and well bright. i can't wait to come down here for christmas because i mean at camden Pasture reminds me i, mean, I bet this looks lovely well it i remember does. it does it's gorgeous the lights so. go up it's very atmospheric 
And, yes. And Christmas, it's that Dickensian Christmassy feel. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm just so chuffed to be here and having this great chat. So, Me too. you I've know. Got, well, I've got one more chocolate. Just oh, yeah? one. Before we finish, this, is, this has been on the collection. This is an old timer. Really? For 16 years. It's not, oh, classic. So, it's called Calamansi or Calamondin. It's a Malaysian citrus. Mm. This, is, this is vegan. So it's vegan oh, okay. white chocolate mm -hmm. made with oats okay. and the dark chocolate on the outside. And it's the mm. most citrusy flavour and fragrant flavour I think mm. you'll ever have. It's unusual, but we managed to get hold of it 16 years ago and it's been on the collection ever since. So this is vegan? It's vegan. Wow. So now you can get white chocolate made with oat milk, powdered oats. So the white, the white chocolate inside looks and tastes like normal oh. white chocolate, but it's vegan. And of course, actually the dark... Has no milk. Has no milk, so that's vegan anyway. None of our dark chocolate, for everyone who's none of it, mm. has milk. So if you come in and say, do you have any vegan chocolate? We can say we have vegan dark chocolate, which all dark chocolate doesn't have milk and shouldn't. Mm. But we also have v chocolates that mm. are made with either no milk or cream or dairy whatsoever, or made with a vegan alternative like the oat milk. Oh, and you can't, there's no difference. No, no. Oh, I just love that, that zingy texture with the dark chocolate and, oh, just yummy. And the flavour will last a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I sort of almost feel quite full after eating that. <laughs> well, so really satiated. Yeah, because they're intoxicating, they're full flavoured. Mm. And the, the flavour of dark chocolate stays on your palate for up to 20 to 25 minutes. And there's 800 flavour compounds now identified in dark, fine quality dark chocolate. So you're all, you're all tasting something different. We're all tasting something different. Your tongue is your tongue and you will experience it the way you experience it. It's amazing. Oh, Paul, look, thank you for this. Um, I've loved it. Um, gosh, but we've got to say Ooh. soon, there's your book coming out. I know, out. as I say, brand new book called uh, The Joy of Chocolate. Now we've been very joyous. It's, a, it's my love letter to chocolate. This is not a how to make chocolates chef's book. This is a book for everyone who likes chocolate, no matter whether it is a quality street, a confectionery bar, something fine quality, there's artisan chocolate in there, there's bing to bar, there's cocoa pods, and there's lots of colour, lots of joy, and lots of stories and nostalgia from my past that, that brought me here today. It's a jolly, jolly, jolly happy book. Sounds and perfect it's out for on Christmas. The 15th of September. Oh, great. And perfect for Christmas. Gosh, well, um, I can't wait to get a copy and um, that'll be very exciting. And gosh, you know, maybe we'll have to speak again before Christmas. Definitely and will. think, um, you with, know, with stocking our dogs. fillers. With, with our dogs. We'll go I know. With our Because you're not, you know, you're sort of east, aren't you? I'm, no. Walth I'm Walthamstow, yeah. Right, yes, yeah. yes. So not far from me, you know, because oh. I'm E5. Yeah, we travel around. Billy gets around. He gets so, around. Yeah, absolutely. Gets around, gets around, his little <laughs> legs. We. Oh my! We were, think, we were counting how many. This is really boring, but we were counting how many steps Billy takes to one of ours the other day. It's a lot with four legs, and they're tiny. <laughs> He's basically running all the time. Yeah, you must. There's the Giacometti <laughs> portrait, and you must have seen it. And it's a, it's a taxi, but his legs. You know, it, but they're wheels. His his <laughs> legs have gone into wheels because <laughs> you know it's all that sort of. Yeah. You know, what was that era? I can't remember. Um, 
futurism. Yeah. And they were whizzing around. Everything was, again, deconstruction futurism. So, yeah, the Daxies, a classic dog. And uh, I think Andy Warhol had mini Daxies. Really? Yes. I never knew. Oh, all these artistic people. Yeah, Andy Warhol. There's something about them, isn't it, with artistic people? Yes. what it is. There really is. Character. There you go, you see. So you've got the right breed. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. I've loved it. I've loved it. our show Mr Binks what did you think I know you want to try this chocolate stuff but it's never gonna happen what's that oh you're right it is time for woof of the week <coughs> please remember that chocolate really is not appropriate for your doggy to eat it contains theobromine which can hurt your dog's kidneys I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, of course, again to Paul for joining us today and all the links to his chocolate shop is in our show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. And that way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.